welcome back to Toss It Out Pod, guys. This week we've got a spicy episode on diversity and inclusion and what that actually means in the workplace. We've got a special guest. I'm Title and I'm a critical race and gender theory specialist, but I'm currently working as a diversity and inclusion officer um, within a diversity job board. So it's sort of recruitment space, talent acquisition, and um, I am a sort of diversity and inclusion specialist. And I always do diversity and inclusion in quotation marks, as I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. <laughs> Love that. There's so many questions we have. So who wants to go first, guys? <laughs> so, okay, so just for our listeners, explain what you do on a day-to-day. What do, What does your job role entail on a day-to-day? Okay, so um, specifically to the company that I work for and with, um, they are a startup diversity job board. So what we do is we match candidates from currently underrepresented backgrounds in the UK workforce to employers who are dedicated to hiring more diversely. So at the moment, we're to be specify in um, gender and racial diversity, and we're sort of looking to open up that um, to LGBT inclusion, to uh, various disabilities, potentially socioeconomic background. But it always it's it's tricky because basically to do those things, we have to collect that data. And um, there are certain issues when it comes to data collection and then cat- the categorization of people. So but on the day to day, I basically manage how we do that process and making sure that it's ethical, how we're reaching out to those communities in ways that are not tick box exercises and aren't performative. I like to say that I'm I'm trying to decolonize the recruitment process, um, <laughs> which is a big, yes. <laughs> but it's just, you know, all those those elitist barriers that stop people from getting hired. Um, we used to anonymize our CVs and we don't do that anymore and for me like anonymizing CVs and um, doing that kind of work is a way to mask and kind of move around bias and try instead of actually getting rid of it like what we actually need to be seeing is companies looking at names that are not Caucasian and not batting an eyelid when we bring clients on board I'm sort of one of their first point of contact to talk them through the platform. And um, I basically say like straight away that this is not a tick box exercise. And when when you do sign up with us, um, we want you to like actually commit to that ethos and have an interview with me about where the gaps are in your company, what you're doing to address them. Um, I recently had a chat with this amazing trans man called Tate Smith and he started out as a legal secretary and now he's training um, to be a lawyer, a solicitor at Clifford Chance. And he was saying, you know, if you haven't got a trans policy at your workplace, like I don't want to work for you. And so I work with companies basically to to talk about diversity and inclusion and also make sure that it's not all talk and there's a bit more action. That's so necessary. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I've place. listened to this and I'm thinking, yes, that is what the world needs. Because <laughs> um, I remember being in school and I was like, like we would joke about it to be fair, like it, I would never like actually feel this way, but I'd be like, oh, I'm the I'm the token diversity quota, like blah blah, because yeah. you know I'm bilingual, I'm brown, I'm Kurdish, I'm a woman, blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, but then like there'd be like the odd time here and there where people, when I was applying for jobs, would be like, oh, you're probably going to get the job because you're like foreign, and mm. they're like, 
Uh, uh, (laughs) not how it works (laughs) you know what that has actually been such a huge thing recently so like in the past year there has been an influx of energy being put into diversity inclusion initiatives and um a lot of people are now saying you know on the flip side oh it's, it's a good time to be quote unquote a diverse person because you know, they've got quotas now and they and you, you need to fill it. So you're going to get the job over, you know, the white man. And it's like, we have not ever gotten jobs ahead of white people. And I don't think we will ever. Hopefully we will, you know, but we'll see. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's just funny how we can never really win. Speaking of actually quotas and diversity hires, once when I was looking for work, like in London a couple of months ago, I um, I applied for this job and I got called to the interview and it was at this place in Angel and I went and I was all dressed up, like ready, you know, to have my first interview. Mm-hmm. And I sat down and you go to the desk and you're like, oh, I'm here um, for Sarah, like Sarah was interviewing me. You sign in and you sit down. And I noticed that every single girl woman walking through the door who was there for Sarah looked like a different version of me we looked like different versions of Sarah. like all of us were like <laughs> racially ambiguous like brown but not too brown like and it was I was looking and I was like stop stop <laughs> every time someone walked through I was like no and then I literally I turned to the girl next to me I didn't I was she was there before me and I was like who are you here to see this again she was you know, like it was like a mix of South Asian or North African or um, well, I'm I'm from Malta, but I don't look like I'm I'm white. So, <laughs> so it's something racially ambiguous. And I, I turned to her and I was like, um, who are you here to see? She was like, oh, yeah, Sarah. I was like, fuck's sake. <laughs> and I literally was getting so oh, mad. No. This Sarah was running late. So I was like already like pretty pissed off. And I literally just outright in front of everyone said, it's funny how we're all, we all look the same, isn't it? And everyone just like looked at me like, ooh, ooh. and I literally, and I got up and I was like, sorry, I'm actually gonna leave, thanks, bye. And I just walked out. I was like, what kind of diversity quota bullshit is this? Oh my God, I love that. We need that. <laughs> that is so mental. Do you know what's so funny is obviously my name being Jade, and then when people talk to me on the phone, I know they always think I'm white. So then when I meet people, they're like, are you the right person? Are you the person that I spoke to on the phone? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I actually quite enjoy watching people's face when I turn up. Yeah, like the shock in their eyes and they're like processing this as if it needs processing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I get that kind of in a way where people just think I'm a ambiguous looking white person and I'm like, bro, I'm Middle Eastern. But they're like, oh, but you sound white. I was like, what the, oh, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> have, you, have you heard me speak Turkish? I don't think so. Like, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and you know what, like, I, so I grew up in Dubai, speaking of Middle Eastern, and I always identified so much more with, you know, the, the woman who lived there, the local Emirati woman, than I did with the people at my own school. I remember, like, being, like, 15, 16, I was at a British school in Dubai, and the girls were like talking about feminism and like, oh my God, like sexism and like all this stuff. And for some reason, I just never really bought into it at that point in my life. Like, I mean, the education wasn't really there and it was very like Tumblr feminism. And <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't relate. Um, so then I like grew up. 
and I like them when I went to university and started like learning more about critical race theory and gender theory and I was like why do I you know relate to women of color feminism so much like I finally found this dialogue that actually spoke to the to the issues that I had growing up to the issues that I faced because I I am white passing in some spaces in some spaces I'm like white enough but in other spaces like I'm not quite white and carry on and it's it's quite incredible this is why like um I was talking to Victoria about like a lot of my work centers around um sort of criticizing the whitewashing of feminism and gender equality efforts and um just speaking to those issues that no one understood like no one related to growing up for me because with me because they were they didn't face the same issues that I had so like body hair um was something that I struggled with by myself and then it's only now that I've started speaking about it that people who I used to know at school are like messaging me like oh my god like I was exactly the same and I was like if only we got together at school we would have smashed the patriarchy like at 16. (laughs) 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 Obviously when you're dealing with these issues like like white feminism and I've even had that white middle-class feminism just didn't speak to me at all too. And it took me probably till I went to America and went to liberal arts college and I got taught by women who had lived through and they were putting the feminist in action, like the feminist theory in action for me to really get on board and now I'm 100% on board. But, But it comes back to like intersexuality and how we deal with different identities getting different identities in the workforce so yes you might have quote-unquote a diverse workforce but what about identities when they're intersex so that LGBT and and that kind of thing how do you find navigating that and talking to companies about yeah um I mean it's really hard because often um depending on who the company is um it the conversation is very different um unfortunately so the other day um we were on a call with one client and the um guy was originally i think he i think um mixed race nigerian but i can't be certain but he was definitely nigerian and the conversation was amazing it was so easy i was like talking him through um what we're doing and he was like yes this is so needed and we were like on the same page um he was very aware of, you know, intersectional identities and, you know, the work that I'm doing and the importance of like looking at things through an intersectional lens. And then I'm on calls with other clients and a lot of the time I'm on calls basically with talent acquisition, HR, recruitment people. And they're not they're not DNI, which is absolutely fine. Like not everyone has to be, but um, they're also white 98% of the time. Um, and when we speak about these issues, they, one of the biggest questions I get from a lot of actually white men is how are you actually not excluding white men from this? Like, uh, because that would be reverse racism. So that, cause like I basically collect the, the data on our candidates, the protected data, race and gender. And then we provide like short lists to our clients of um, can, um, candidates who are like uh, what's the word? suitable for the role. And um, we always say that it's going to be representative of the place in which you are hiring. But of course, if we have more um, people who are um, 
from underrepresented communities in terms of like rate the racial aspect and underrepresented underrepresented ethnicities um where there'll be more of those right because we're trying to level the playing field here and he they they would you know ask me questions like yeah but if you exclude white men what do you do do you exclude white men do you not put them forward and i'm like why have you entered this conversation if you're not actually gonna if you don't actually believe in it if you don't actually know like because clearly they don't want to to um do things in the way that will progress like fast um mm. so it's hard it's hard to navigate um and at the moment we're sort of working on gathering more data in order to see just even for us basically to see that we are um catering for people who have intersecting um sort of axes of marginalization in the UK where are you from I'm originally from Malta um literally both my parents are Maltese so Malta is um gosh it's right underneath Italy it's between Italy and um Libya so um I always find the like ethnicity question quite hard because I kind of I grew up thinking I was like I I grew up thinking I was white um and European and like that's how I identified like European um but then actually the way I've been received looking at like where Malta is actually located learning about the history of Malta we were basically colonized by everyone um so I the you know the um the Arabs were there the uh, also Arabs I feel is actually a contested term at the moment it's sort of Middle Eastern North African um so my mistake but yeah loads of people were there Italian the Italians were the British were there everyone was there um so my ethnicity I think is kind of mixed up in Italian North African um so yeah that's where I'm from and I grew up in the Middle East I grew up in Dubai for uh, 16 years so what made you want to get into the job that you're in now I did English literature and film at university and then in my last two years I heavily focused on um basically I I made my, everything I did about um women's representation or racial representation I was like I'm bored of just talking about like film noir and like which camera angle makes this I was like this yeah, I said that. that. Cuz I did some film as well. Oh nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then I I did my dissertation on the representation of black women in James Bond and that showed me how much I still don't know and I wanted to do a masters and I I decided that if I wanted to go into Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number 1 social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner like media consulting or any sort of consulting on these issues on gender on race on inequalities um i needed to know more like i still didn't know enough about um sexuality and queerness and or about like the history of colonialism so i did a masters at lse in gender media and culture and i did that from september 2019 to august 2020 and it was when i was there that i kind of saw that not only is it needed i mean it's needed 
but diversity and inclusion consulting, which I do in quotation marks, because for me, it's like consulting on all the inequalities, um, is needed literally everywhere in the media, in publishing, in the workplace, in tech, like, and um, so I'm sort of just at the moment thinking about um, how it manifests in the workplace and how all those cultural stereotypes that, you know, I, I would read about and I would experience and that I would see, they affect the way that people are treated at work, they affect promotion rates, they affect, um, you know, people's reports at the end of the year. So many women of colour in in organisations in the UK being held back from promotions on the basis of your communications are, the, the team doesn't think that you communicate in a friendly way or whatever. And it's like, well, what does that mean? Um, and black men being told that they um, don't possess the leadership skills that they're looking for. It's like, what does that mean? Um, so that is why I decided to go into this work. And actually, so starting out in recruitment, I'm sort of seeing a little bit what's happening at the bottom um, at the pipeline, which is helpful. Yeah, I guess that's where it starts. But with um, I've got a question about the other box so you know when you know you go into a workplace you go wherever they're like what's your ethnicity what's your blah 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 and then it's like asian asian other white white other <laughs> black black other whatever like and then it's other and then like i always click other and then type in what i am yeah so literally. how do you go about like collecting data for that because like all these other people <laughs> like they have no category <laughs> it's actually an amazing thing that um we've done that i i can't take actually responsibility for because i i joined after this was done but one of my lsc wow. yeah one of my lsc gals did it so shout out to molly hugh at green, who now works at green park consultancy um she um changed the, like, the ethnicity it's now multiple choice and um it's very much divided into like every single potential ethnicity I am very passionate about the the sort of white other because that's where Middle Eastern and North African identities get lost um so they you know, white other is the in in the official like the ONS um breakdown of what the ethnicities mean they are placed in white other but they are not treated as white in workplaces like that's just not the case so um, the way we collect data is multiple choice. So if you are um, Black Caribbean, but also identify as British, you can click British and Black Caribbean. Um, and then I collect that data and then I sort of put them in, in categories, but which are as representative as possible. We don't have, I don't think we have any other because, or maybe, no, I think I took away the other box. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, like every time I fill it out, um, I'm like, well, I'm I don't I don't think I'm white, but obviously it's interesting that Middle Eastern people and North African people get put into that white other category, because yeah. I always used to say um, Asian because Turkey is in Asia, and then I'd get a lot of, yeah, no, Turkey's in Europe, but it's like no, it's not. Like a tiny bit of Istanbul is in Europe. Yeah, rest. Asia and I'm not Turkish I'm Kurdish yeah but obviously like, there's a whole thing about that which we won't get into but um <laughs> when I say Asian people are like uh no you're not I'm like oh thanks for identifying me but then um yeah people, say, people love to sort of say oh but really uh, like are you though 
Yeah, oh, sorry. I'll just <laughs> Thank you. Like, well, yeah, and like I say, Middle Eastern just because Kurdish, you know, it's it's like Kurdistan is technically like bits of um, Turkey, Iran, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's really interesting. I think it's good. I've seen a lot of big sort of lists, but I have always had to put other. Okay. I've never, interesting. I've never had a. We should, you know what, we should get on a call after this and you can tell me specifically how you identify and I'll try to weave that into our... Yeah, our yeah. <laughs> I've got all the time in the world for this. <laughs> nice. Um, I don't know if this is triggering so you don't have to answer this, but if you had like a particular work situation that really inspired this, I know for me, now because I do freelance work, I actually don't work with anyone that's not diverse I mean Lavelle's run by all black British army yeah <laughs> and then the free like of the magazine I've always been with diverse people my friends have always been diverse but before I did have a job where I was one uh, there was only two women and the office was 30 men and it was all um and then I had another one which was for a really big media company. I did an internship and this was awful. We all got our names printed out. Um, and this is one of them things where you can be like, oh, it was a, just a coincidence. But we all got our names printed out for the first day with name tags. And um, my friend, uh, well, my friend who became my friend, but I didn't know her yet. Her name tag wasn't printed out yet. And she was uh, the only person of colour on on our thing and it was just like why why is why did she get hired so quick the notes that they didn't even have time to print a name tag out like what is this and it just made I could see that she felt uncomfortable and I just I just yeah different stuff like that have you ever had a situation where you felt like this is not right but you haven't really been able to speak out um so this not really because I think in terms of workplaces because this job that I'm doing now is my first um like graduate job like since graduating I've done internships before where um I was treated horrifically um in various places and I don't think I have thought enough about whether that was to do with my ethnicity or whether it was to do with just with the fact that I was a young woman um who was naive um but I think it's so important for young women especially to know what they're worth to know to know the dynamics that are happening because in those situations you know something doesn't feel right like there's something niggling at you even if you can't name it and that inability to name it is really horrible and like disempowering and I think as soon as you re- actually realize what is going on, then you can decide how to navigate that situation and you can speak up for yourself. And it took it took me way too long in these like sort of shitty little internships um, to actually realize like what I was worth and that, you know, I need to be paid and um, just that it's actually not acceptable to be exploiting a young person, a young woman, and um, a young woman who isn't sort of white um, and English in this way. I'm going to start a grad scheme at a large professional services company. Um, I can't, I'm not going to say the name, but um, 
in September. So we'll see because it's I'm currently working in a space where like diverse. I mean, my voice is being heard. This the boss. He listens to me. Like he really listens to me. If I go and I say like this is not right, he'll change it. If I I say we need to put our pronouns in our in our signatures, he'll do it. And it's a really amazing atmosphere. Who knows what's going to happen when I enter like a large organization where I'm just a number and I'm just you know little me. That's yeah, no, that's interesting because. Like I've seen when you were saying that you didn't notice, like you didn't like think too much on it. That's really interesting to me because I've seen like friends and stuff. Thankfully, I don't think I've ever been in this position. But again, I haven't thought too much on it. But I've noticed that like some of my friends and especially like friends who are not white, um, they will be like, oh, I need to stay late at work. And I'm like, I need to do this. And I'm like, are you getting paid overtime? They're like, no, no, I'm too scared to ask. And it's like, no, if yeah. you are not being paid overtime, do not work. I get like sometimes if you're working on a big project and whatever, you stay late to finish it, things like that happen. But it's, um, it'd be stuff like they, it, it's in the back of your head that if you don't put in that extra effort that everyone else um, isn't putting in, you won't be held to the same standard as them. Like you've got to do extra just to catch up. Right. And it's like, it's obviously never openly said, but it's like, oh, don't you have that thing to do? Um, what were you doing yesterday? And stuff like that the next day. And it's just like, well, <laughs> I worked my nine to five and now I went home. Like that's what humans do. But yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've met so many people who like are in situations where they don't realize that them working so much overtime is ridiculous. Yeah, literally. You know, um, I actually recently have been sort of liaising with a charity and they, it's a quite a large charity and they want to hire more diversity in certain roles. And one of the roles is a volunteering role and they uploaded the job spec. I mean, it was a page long job spec and they were like, oh, we're having problems with getting diverse candidates for this role. And I said, well, you know, this is a volunteering role. And with volunteering comes a huge amount of privilege to be able to have that time yeah. um, away from parental duties, away from, you know, the unpaid social care that a lot of women do, away from the job that probably you're in that doesn't pay too much. And that only happens um, disproportionately to people of colour in this country. I'm like, you cannot be surprised if you're putting out a role that's not being being paid that you're not getting diverse candidates. <laughs> <laughs> unpaid internships are just ridiculous like I don't even care unless you're hiring like maybe 15 year olds for like a week of work for like experience and maybe you pay for the food or you pay for the transport but you can't hire someone for like a month even two weeks even and say we're not gonna pay you and can you imagine some people hire for like three months and they're like you know we can't pay but the experience with valuable excuse me i would experience in my in my house you can go online now and learn anything you want to learn yeah literally. yes experience is valuable but pay me for the work that i'm doing it's just modern day slavery so i would never understand why anyone's gonna tell me to volunteer i think unless it's something where it's like a non-profit organization where you're doing something that's like Maybe, for example, I did a, a day, like a field day of like, uh, this, um, what's it called, refilling. And it was, it was something like getting people to, so if you, get, if you have a water bottle, you just go to any um, super, uh, not supermarket, but like restaurants and stuff, and they should 
they should give you like water and stuff like that mm-hmm. and they would just I just had to go to different places and ask them do you're interested and then if they say yes sign them up and then put a stamp in front of the thing and say oh we are participating you know that's okay I did that for free because that was like field work for a day but yeah. if it was a week I would not do it for free I'm sorry even if it's <laughs> even if it's a good for a good cause like pay me what I'm worth yeah sorry. Uh-huh. Period. it's like I feel like if you're not being paid, you should be able to pick your hours and do it whenever you want to do it. And if they want you to commit to a thing, like a schedule for more than like a day or two or whatever, they need to pay you. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. all these companies are like, oh, we don't have the money to pay you. Yes, you do. You have Mm -hmm. the money. I actually have a horror story about this. So I Mm -hmm. got myself into a unpaid internship at a quote unquote diversity consultancy. Um, that was like a one woman show and um, she didn't have the money to pay, she said but she was like I have connections I had connections with the BBC and the Channel 4 I'm you know this I, she she actually once called herself the next British Oprah which um oh, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a red flag from there <laughs> there were so many red flags um but that was like you know naive me like being like not knowing what actually my skill set was worth and I was, I was her PA, I was personal assistant, I was her secretary, I was scheduling everything, I was doing into her diary, I was also writing all the content, um, and then she was even said, oh, you, you can be my ghost writer on a, a novel that I want to write. She's okay. <laughs> I was like, sorry, if I'm writing a novel, my name is going to be my story, and it's going to be my name. Um, but it was all unpaid. And then I was writing my master's dissertation at the time. And I was like, I actually cannot work three days a week. Um, I Can I do two days a week or something like that? And I mean, she turned around and was like, we need to have a Zoom meeting about this. And she said, if you can't commit, you know, like I have lots of people who will. And I was like, you know, honestly, like if you have those people, go for it. I don't want to, you know, put you out, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I called her bluff. We didn't have anyone. Um, mm-hmm. But then, <laughs> on the days that I wasn't working, I realised that she was sending emails from my account and signing off as me. So we were having requests for some like voluntary work to be done um, by like a journalist for a big publication, and this journalist asked oh, can you or anyone on the team have a look at this, um, these articles I wrote on Black Lives Matter to make sure it's, it's appropriate in tone, in content and context. And mm. that is a kind of unpaid work that would be beneficial for me to put on my CV, to be like, I worked with this person on this piece. Yeah. But from my account, un- unbeknownst to me, she emails and says, um, no, um, we've already given you so much and we're not doing this work for free from my account (laughs) i'm sorry is this devil where's prada like (laughs) who (laughs) literally oh my god the audacity honestly i was like wow and then i call i literally called her up and i was like i'm this is not acceptable i'm like why are you sending emails from my account pretending to be me and then she said you know what I think we've come to the end of this this journey together 
<laughs> yeah, I think so too. Madam, yes, we oh, have. Goodbye. <laughs> Do you still have her on anything or have you like blocked her? No, she's <laughs> <blocked> me. No. <laughs> of course. She blocked me on everything. And then, and then I reported her to HMRC for not paying me. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I wouldn't even know to do that. Yeah, I found out because okay, this is what actually was the point of my story. Um, we need like people need young people need to know their rights when it comes to this. Unpaid internships are actually illegal, I found out. If it's not shadowing. Okay. Yeah, in the UK, if it's Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner not shadowing for like a week if you're actually doing work for someone like if you're sending emails you're producing content whatever that is that needs to be paid oh my for god work. i didn't even know that report them for anyone who's listening they can actually report them to the yes so if you are with a company who are not paying you if um you're doing an internship and you it's not paid you can report that company to hmrc Oh my god. That's a game for a lot of people. <laughs> oh my god. I cannot believe that. I'm still in a bit of shock. <laughs> just a quick question. Um, just because I know that we're like rushed time. So you were saying about um obviously race, um, in that sense, what are you guys doing about the LGBT community as well? Because I know you mentioned that at the beginning. Yeah, so um we're very aware and we, we the, the job board has sort of specialized in race as I joined and we were sort of in discussing this and after having a conversation with um this guy Tate Smith who I mentioned me and my colleague um who identifies as a black queer woman we started talking actually about the deep need to do more on LGBT um Q plus inclusion so we are having a chat actually tomorrow with a company called Global Butterflies and they are professional services companies sort of, um, but specifically for trans people in the UK workforce and they help companies like curate trans policies and raise awareness for the trans community and they're not are not for profit. So all the services that they charge, it goes back into um, helping the trans community in the UK. So we're having a chat, we're actually having a chat with them to discuss like how we can um, platform more LGBT stories, how we can actually um, support the LGBTQ plus community in the UK workforce. Um, but we've recently done a piece on LGBT inclusion in the workplace because, so as someone growing up in the UAE, I knew very much that um, there is anti-LGBT legislation there, but it, there is also in Singapore, in Bangladesh, um, in various other countries where uh, Malaysia, where big corps have a lot of business. And um, we kind of started talking about the ethics of actually employers having business there, but what happens when they have um, 
you know, an LGBT per, um, employee working there, like how are they protecting those person's rights? And should it be within the company's sort of obligations to use their economic power to wager more um, socially progressive rights and sort of working towards decriminalizing um, homosexuality and um, transness? So we're doing pieces and I think basically starting from in a few weeks we're going to also start collecting data on sexual orientation i've got a question about financial backgrounds let's say um only because i've forgotten the actual term for it <laughs> but, um so like people who grew up in low-income high crime areas um all sorts of socioeconomic um backgrounds what is being done to help them into work because for example my current job I work for the civil service and this job is honestly it amazes me how diverse the staff is and it's because I think um that they didn't ask for CVs it was just you apply for the job you do the interview everyone has the same exact chance and then as soon as you get an offer that's when you fill in which jobs you've had and blah 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 yeah and because of that, there's so many people from so many different backgrounds and whatnot being trained to do the same job. And it, I've always said it all comes down to the training unless yeah. you have the experience already. Yeah. Like the training is going to teach you it anyway. So why are people not like giving everyone a chance? So yeah. like obviously the civil service, I guess, is it has more capabilities, I guess. Yeah. But how would you sort of implement that sort of opportunity for other companies? I mean, yes, in question, in, in response to sort of the question of what is being done, not enough. Yeah. <laughs> but um, doing those, um, as much as anonymizing CVs is, we'd like to eradicate that eventually, actually doing that, removing which institutions people got their degrees from, removing all those um all that data which huge companies like the bank of england for example they do that they anonymize that so all that data is, is removed so basically what you you have is the person's interest the person's sort of experience like prior like why they care about why they care about doing this position and uh, yeah i think moving away from traditional cv type things where you have um you know people look at your CV for three seconds. So you have to put your first class degree there. You have to put your this there, put your that there. Like, no, like, come on. We have, we, people are being paid. We have time on our hands. We can, we can actually take the time to look at a person's application. And I think humanizing that and also collecting data on socioeconomic background. So um, I think with larger companies that I've applied for, they do that and like they have like those boxes of like how many of your parents like went to university and and what job did your sole income that stuff is great if it's being used properly because then they can get a great idea a sense of who they're hiring and then address those gaps so like okay we need to do more experience or like um what's the word transferable skill based hiring um rather than this narrow box that only a few people can get access to because in terms of work experience you have to know people I mean from the age of 16 to 21 you don't know shit like you don't know anyone if unless mom and dad know someone who you they can put you in touch with Mm. yeah yeah I mean my parents they knew everyone who owned a kebab shop in the area but (laughs) that wasn't gonna help me with anything I wanted to do (laughs) 
No, it's but so good like, to get a civil service like doing that though. Yeah, no, I, it's so important though. Obviously, like parental support is really important as well. But I think I, I genuinely think employability skills start from a young age. Because yeah. who was it? Someone said to me the other day that apparently they're starting to close down a lot of um, youth clubs in London. And youth clubs, I remember back where like where I came from, it's so crucial for kids to just have somewhere to go and to enrich their lives, but also to stay out of trouble. Like when you're from a rough area, yeah. you it's easy to be caught up in these like rough groups and yeah. like get down the wrong track and stuff like that. And then that tiny thing can then lead to, you know, like ruining their chances to get somewhere else and step on another yeah. ladder and then yeah. actually get somewhere when they turn into adulthood so yeah like I'm always interested in that it's so true and like youth clubs are I mean if we're going to talk also about like safeguarding young people like youth clubs are a space to do that and um in terms of funding they don't have enough funding in terms of like actual like activities that they do at the youth clubs like there's not enough um there's already not enough funding there so to cut that yeah. is ridiculous cultural capital definitely plays a part in people getting into the art creative industry so even if someone does go to a youth club and doesn't uh, grows up in a working class area and still goes to uni if you don't have that cultural capital if your mum and dad are artists if they don't take you to museums and you don't <laughs> you can't like verse in that way that also really holds you back um if yeah. you just kids getting in trouble it's a full class system and Britain is so classic so classic literally people when I'm like oh yeah like I want to work in general people are like oh my god Stacey Doolit because they only they have like working class of a few working class people and they're like, yeah um, it's mad. I mean one of the most incredible incredible groundbreaking work has been done by working class people mm. if you're closing the youth clubs why do you think that certain demographics of your population are not reaching university level? And then they're going to come in five years and be like, oh, no, like, look at this whole scandal. And it's like you have you have done things that you could have that, like, could have prevented this, but you didn't. You chose to do this. Um, and now you're reaping the consequences. And I think but then, you know, in terms of people who really reap those consequences, it's, it's, it's the people, the government changes they're fine, they're happy, they're eating their, what are they eating, their caviar that we're paying Mommy. for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All these things are very complicated mm. and like it goes really deep to like history and even present biases and everything, like it's so complicated even when we talk about race, some people really just just black and white and and to some extent I believe that as well I think at the end of the day it's black and white and when people see you automatically it's black or white even if you're you know a different type of white in that sense yeah so like it's so complicated and doing what you do is like so great and stuff like that but does it ever get um sort of overwhelming because while I'm very passionate about diversity and passionate about equity not even equity equity one of yeah yeah I also am very cautious of my mental health and I know that it's not a fight that I can fight especially not at this present moment because I have a lot going on in my life 
And yeah. to some extent, I always think um, people who who fight this fight to some extent, it's also a privilege to yeah. be to have sort of that energy, energy, and, <laughs> to fight like emotional energy. So yeah. many people that want they're so angry, but they also have so much shit going on in their Literally. personal lives that they can't do this. Yeah, and it's like, how much do you fight? How far do you go? How far can you go? And yeah when it gets overwhelming like what do you do how do you remind yourself like okay this is a fight I have to keep fighting what motivates you in that sense yeah I think you're absolutely right in saying that like to be able to do this like to fight and and to put your energy into this is a privilege I mean even the the idea of protesting um is in a way like you know actually physically going out and protesting is a privilege because not everyone has the time out of their day like people need to work like people need to take care of like other other things be able to put your body on the line in that way like and protest is a privilege in itself also yet to do this work is I think I am very much like if I am in a position to do it I have a responsibility to do it so like if I have the mental capacity and the energy um I think I'm very like I'm like an empath um like in in my like 12 personality or whatever like ENFP till I die so I really like feel um an obligation and a responsibility that if I have that energy I need to do it and not necessarily for me but like um in terms of like the feminism that I focus on I very much focus on um black feminist thought and and trying to platform black feminist voices because for two black voices so from in my opinion um like the white white feminist movement has completely like for too long not platformed that so we were getting like progress in some ways but like not for women of color um mm. and in terms of like intersectionality and kimberly crenshaw um they were responding to those gaps in feminist theory and i feel like as a feminist critic now um or like as someone who is um, sort of engaging in that fight, like I have a responsibility. It's like, I feel like it's a domino effect. So if we platform the voices that have historically been pushed to the margins, and if we start there, then everyone will benefit. But if we start in the middle, mm. then it's gonna get lost and they're gonna be the last people to benefit. Um, yeah. So that's kind of like where I, my thing. And then in terms of protecting my energy, like um, I can't watch anything I can't watch any sort of political documentary in the evening. Like I have fights with my boyfriend because he wants to watch like some deep, heavy thing about like the Holocaust. And I'm like, actually leave me alone. Like I can't do this right now. <laughs> oh, God. Just real quick. Um, I'm not sure exactly what you meant, Kenny, but I just got to say something on the black or white thing. Yeah. I feel like this isn't me specifically commenting on what you said because I, I kind of get what you mean, but... um. When, in some cases, when people say there's just black and white, I think everyone in between gets lost. Okay, I need to word this right so it doesn't... No, no, as in, like, during... Yeah, no, like, during sort of, like, the Black Lives Matter movement, everything, obviously, the focus had to be on black people. Obviously, like, that was the cry for help. Um, But then it was kind of like when the whole black-white thing happens, like, uh, the black and white view is there, it's kind of like everyone will maybe watch their races well not everyone but like say someone might be like oh okay that's something that like racist that I was doing I'll work on that 
but then they'll forget that they also have that racism towards like Asian communities and like Middle Eastern communities and things like that and then we, we kind of get forgotten in all of that and it's kind of like oh but you're basically white like oh you can pass as white and things like that and it's like yeah we can pass as white but why should I have to pass as white um and it's stuff like that where yeah like we, we often get forgotten because they're like well you're not black you're not white like it's kind of like pick a side and it's like why why <laughs> like we exist yeah. And yeah, it's that like, makes sense. I think, like, I think race, obviously, like, uh, it's a complicated thing. But color-wise, it's kind of like you got dark to light. There's everything in between, you know. Like, um, I've got some mixed race friends who are with the same skin color, but we know we're different ethnicities because it's more than just skin color, obviously. But also, you know, it's just, yeah. I feel like of there's. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what I said. I just feel like at the end of the day, like that's what people see first. Just quickly take Meghan Markle as an example. No matter how fair she is, how white passing she is, mm-hmm. she's still regarded as black. And that's what I mean. It's like that's what people see, even if you're you're the lightest shade. As long yeah. as you're black, they're like you're black. So get, and no. as long as you're white, like you're yeah. white in that sense. But that's what it's. But that's what I mean, so complicated. And so if yeah. you're going to fight for for equality and going to fight for diversity and fight for justice, you have to be willing to go all in because, like, it's it's so hard. It's so wide. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so I, I always have respect for people who kind of do that and make it. So I just want to live my life in peace. And unfortunately, <laughs> the world is not peaceful. But I know myself that there's only certain things that I can fight for and yeah, that's yeah. why I'm not trying to bring anybody no, okay, this... Kenny, no one's expecting you to tie yourself to a tree I have respect for people who do right. yeah and I'll always, yeah. I'll always wish for them I'll always support them because I know it's a fight I cannot fight because it takes a lot of yeah God. yeah I also yeah I also think that like the thing of every community has to fight for themselves is like so like we're not gonna get anywhere if that's the case like we need allies everywhere um and it's like it's not fair it's like emotional labor to put on those people to have to like always be like oh actually like you're discriminating against us in this way and it's because of this and this is the history of it and like let me teach you about colonialism in the country that you live in which you should already already know like for sure you know what, Kenny? It's radical for you to be like, you know what? I want to live my life in peace because why shouldn't you? It's not your work to do. It's not your work to do. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Try, try, try trying to tell people, oh, I'm, I'm worth it. It just be, oh, just because I'm this. Oh, it's exhausting. I've had issues where I've said something to a, a bus and he didn't even listen to me, and I had to go tell a guy to tell him and then listen to the guy. You could say, oh, maybe because he, he heard it the third time. I said it twice and I was not taken seriously. So that is, that is exhausting. But then, like, mm-hmm. I, at least I kept I kept pushing. I did not stop until I got what I wanted yeah. in that sense. But, like, that didn't make me want to go fight for the world. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just That's a big thing me. as well, you know, Kenny, that no, no, people don't often talk about. Like, people from minorities, they've got to fight for themselves every single day anyway. And then when, you know, like when, when massive protests happen and people these days are like, being silent isn't enough. It's like, yeah, okay. But you can't expect everyone to be on it all the time. They're already fighting for their own things. Like, 
microaggressions and like what st- examples like Kenny just mentioned like yeah. every single day you don't want to come home and also deal with it like you gotta wind down like it's it's not fair to expect anybody to spend their whole life the whole existence fighting for a better life and it's like other people should just wake up and see that and like yes they're not going to do it and like someone needs to fight but yeah it's it's, yeah it's it's unfair (laughs) to expect everyone to do it like if you're waiting on the oppressed group to fight then that's messed up yes if white people are not speaking out you should be speaking out but you should never expect someone else to speak out that's ridiculous and their silence is not the same as white silence no make that clear for anyone listening to (laughs) i've got to wrap up um, that was a solid ending. <laughs> I, just loved, I just loved it. It was such a spicy episode. I'm so excited to see how this turns out. Has anyone got any last words? Thank you for thank you for coming because honestly, this was such a good conversation. No, thank you guys so much for having me. Honestly, when Victoria asked, um, I was like, this is so nice because I think for so long I've been, um, you know, writing about these things and been incredibly impassioned about these things and I feel like it's been into like a void and it's so nice for someone to sort of say like this is really interesting we'd like to talk about it <laughs> are you on Instagram like I'd like to follow you and like yeah tell everyone where, where yeah. they can find you thank you um it's tz underscore dejavani um that's my handle we'll put your links in the bio and hopefully we keep in touch and yeah if i have you on oh also i promised my gals i would shout out um the solidarity collective and basically it's a platform <laughs> that me and um two of my lsc gender um, friends have set up basically um because we were pissed off that popular mainstream media wasn't writing um or like posting opinion pieces and accessible work that speaks to issues of gender and race and class and disability so um if anyone wants to contribute to the society collective you can follow us on instagram and see what we're up to and it's it's a sort of trying to an exercise in decolonizing knowledge production but you know the solidarity collective yes exactly link in the bio as well thank you So thanks, guys. This has been an amazing episode and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. New on Curiosity Stream. Get ready for the best of the best with our 100 Days of Curiosity, featuring fan favorite titles like Light on Earth with Sir David Attenborough. Join me on a journey like no other. Stephen Hawking's favorite places. It's a crazy world out there. The history of home with Nick Offerman. Not my home, just homes. Other people's homes. And many more. It's 100 Days of Curiosity. And for a limited time, get 40% off our annual plan. That's just a dollar a month. Visit curiositystream.com.